My name is Sean Neese, and you are listening to BSing with Sean K on Radio Free Brooklyn. And on this show, I BS with people who are pursuing their creative and intellectual passions, artists, activists, bloggers, comedians, filmmakers, actors, and others living outside the box, providing a platform for opinions not often heard in the mainstream media. And my guest today is Malik Matar. She is an artist who's originally from the Gaza Strip. She's now in Istanbul, Turkey. And she paints powerful expressionist faces, figures, and semi-abstract designs. And she's started painting during the 2014 bombing of Gaza by Israel. And it was a way to cope with all the negative emotions she was feeling, the the helplessness, the anger, the frustration, and her work is incredible. I mean, she started at 13, and she's 20 now. She was unable to leave Gaza due to restrictions of the Israeli occupation, so she started to show her paintings to the world via social media, on Instagram and Facebook, and then she started selling her paintings at 14, and... Within two years, she became financially independent. Now she's had art exhibits all over the world. She's had, she's been featured in individual and group exhibitions in Jerusalem, France, Spain, Costa Rica, Indian, and in the Art Under Siege exhibit held in the Rayburn House office building, U.S. House of Representatives, Washington, D.C. And while developing her artistic talent, Malak Matar has excelled academically, achieving the highest grade point average in the Gaza Strip in 2017, her senior year of high school, and the second highest grade point average in all Palestine that same year. So, And she wants to give a face and a name to the people that she's lost in Gaza and that have died under the occupation, have died in the war, and... I liked her page a while ago on Facebook. I think I saw an article about her work, and I was impressed with it then. And recently, she came up in my feed, and I I decided to ask her on, not only because she's an incredible individual, but also because of what's going on now in Israel with the protests. In Tel Aviv recently, there were protests. Israelis and Palestinians were protesting together against the new annexation plan. And I and I think this is relevant in the U.S. too because U.S. has a big influence on Israeli policy, so it's kind of an extension of the U.S. in a lot of ways. But in the annexation plan, the Palestinians are really getting the short end of the stick in this quote-unquote peace deal. And it allows Israel to expand on more lands, which would mean demolishing more homes, forcing more people out of their homes. And according to human rights experts at the UN, this annexation plan violates international law. I am actually, on my mother's side, Jewish myself, 
because well my my dad's side came from germany he's not jewish but my mother's side came from russia and lithuania in the early 1900s and they were fleeing pogroms they they were forced out of their home by the cossacks in my opinion i i don't see how the fact that jewish people have been oppressed justifies oppressing another group of people I think that sometimes when a group has been persecuted in the past there's there's a tendency to be tribalistic and to get into an us against them mentality but that just repeats a vicious cycle I know some of it's religious based I'm not very religious I am spiritual but I don't and I do I do believe in a higher power but I don't believe in a higher power that would view one race as the chosen race because I think that we're all part of one global family, global universal family I'm into the idea that we're all one and everything and so I, I would never, I, I never really agreed with the idea of a chosen race and also I grew up in the United States so for me personally I never viewed Israel as my homeland, I mean I guess I could understand a Jew who was fleeing for persecution, but just me, just because a religious text says that Israel is my homeland, New Jersey is my homeland, even though I consider myself a citizen of the world. I think that talking to people from all different backgrounds and giving them a platform and empath empathizing with people who live different lives than you or don't look like you or or come from a different background is 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 what will bring us closer together in the long run and without further delay here is my interview with the incredible and amazing Malak Matar just tell us your story of how you how you started painting and what inspired you yeah uh, so I grew up in the Gaza Strip it's in Palestine um, I grew up like any child I had. I used to go to school. I used to have a very uh, great connection with family. I lived in a very rooted and rich culture. Um, at the age of eight, I had my first experience of war. And that was a very traumatizing experience because it's pretty much how my way to view the world has been shaped. Then after like going to school again after i survived with my family a few years later i had another war which was pretty intense and even harder than the one before then while my body and my mind is adapting to the new life i had another war in 2014 and it was the longest and the most brutal since we lost some relatives we lost like our place where I lived, it was really targeted by the Israeli um, uh, rockets. So at that time, it was 51. It was really, there's there was no electricity. There was uh, no basics. Like, we weren't able to go to the market to get food. Uh, we didn't have proper water. And at that time, I remember I was really overwhelmed by the feelings of terror and the feelings of fear and then at that time i didn't have this uh, connection with my family because everyone is stressed everyone is thinking about what is going to happen 
and everyone is like thinking of the moment that might really happen, which is the killing of all of us. Then I decided that I'm going to do something to distract myself and to just kill the time and, as I said, distract myself from these feelings. Then I opened um, like a box from school. I collected all the gifts I got. And one of them was watercolor. I got it like as a award from my school. And I never thought I would really use it because I didn't have the techniques of watercolor and I didn't have the motif to start it before. Then I started drawing and I thought it will just be temporary, but I wasn't able to leave drawing till now because as I'm learning more about art and as I'm like constantly practicing, I got through something called art therapy, which was exactly this, the same thing that I went through. Um, one year after that, I opened my solo exhibition in Gaza Strip, and it was like a collection of my original artwork. And at that time, there was a very um, strong coverage on the Gaza Strip, not only uh, documenting the numbers of people killed, injured, the house demolished, but also the life under siege and under occupation and post-war. So they focused a lot on the talents of people, the life of the social life of cousins. And I was one of, of the featured stories. Um, I got really well known at that time. I had Italian, Spanish, American, British newspaper and media talking about me and my artwork. And this is how I gradually started exhibiting my art for work all over the world. So in 2017, I decided that I need to leave the Gaza Strip because I need to be able to travel freely. When I was in the Gaza Strip, I'm not able to travel as I wish. So I had a lot of invitations I wasn't able to go to because of the siege. The borders are from Egypt side. We don't have airport. So the border from between Palestine and Egypt was closed. So I had to travel to study abroad and to see my life. And yeah. So the first time you painted, it was a way to get your negative emotions out. It was more of a catharsis and it went from there. Yes. I felt like I need to paint something that it, it, talks to me, it speaks to me because as I said, like I wasn't in a place where I can really talk about my emotions to someone. We were all very concerned. We were all very stressed since many buildings around my house were demolished and the house was shaking like a lot in a day. It was like when there's a near bombing near you, the house would, would be shaking. And even the drawing I would do I would be drawing, but then suddenly the building would be shaking again. So as I said, I just, I painted because I wanted to speak at some point. I wanted to talk. So this is how it started. I painted um, a woman. She was like, the painting doesn't feel that it was made during the war. It, it feels like, like it was made during a very peaceful days. You said uh, in an interview that you wanted to show people in Gaza not only as victims of war, but as a people with culture and tradition. And exactly. So I was like really um, 
I, like for some time, like being just 14 years old and going through three wars and seeing a lot of graphic things and seeing like I was in my school and I know that in the chair I'm in now, I'm sitting in now, there should be another girl sitting. A lot of my classmates, they lost their lives. Uh, they, they lost their families. So like, and I, I remember very well, we had, we in, in the Arabic lessons, we used to study literature and we would be studying um, a poem about Mother's Day or about the mother who wouldn't. And then we suddenly find some girls crying because they lost their families due to the war. So I felt really meaningless. I felt like my life can be taken within a second and nobody would even care. And I'm here and I have a lot of feelings, but who would ever listen? So I felt for some extent that I'm really not a human being and I'm not really, um, I, I don't really have a meaning. Then by artwork, I started building this worth again, this value again that we are all a human being and I'm paying to share the human, the humanitarian values and the humanitarian morals. And so like painting has helped me really heal and shape my, my perspective about the world. And I'm, I'm guessing that's part of why you drew the George Floyd too, because you know, a lot of African-Americans in the U S have feel like they're being treated like their lives don't matter. And from what yeah. you were saying, uh, a lot of like you and uh, a, a lot of Palestinians in Gaza are, are treated like your lives matter. Or, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So when when you go through um, a lot of injustice and you are treated with racism and even worse, uh, you start to have this vulnerable feelings that I went through this and I know very well what George and what a lot of black people have to go through in the US and everywhere, even in the Middle East. So I start like, the more you see and witness, you could relate very easily to other people no matter where they come from. And right now there's the annexation that's going on because uh, I know Donald Trump he, he gave, yeah. yeah. So, so, Unfortunately, like um, that—that's a disaster because it's another catastrophe. We had a catastrophe in 1948 where my grandparents, and this is how I became refugee. They were all kicked out of their houses, and they were promised that within a week or two weeks they will go back, but they never do. And we became refugees for over 72 years, and this annexation is another catastrophe since 300,000 Palestinians are going to be displaced from their homes. They will be kicked, and that's definitely illegal. So what do you think can be done to stop it? I believe that everyone should be use the, using the platform they have, like signing a petition, demonstrating, like, just the pressure that we we people can make, but I, I really have little hope uh, on that. I'm not, I'm not really hopeful because um, settlements are illegal, but they are still going on. 
and demonstrations have been happening and a lot of people have been disagreeing and have been de- like just demonstrating but it's not stopping so i really have a little bit of hope so when you first put yourself out there and started connecting with people with your art what was that experience like you mean connecting with people through my artwork yeah yeah when you started putting it online and on uh, social media well when i started uh painting and also drawing what it what difference it made it made me feel that i am here and i matter for some extent because people do want to see my art they want to hear my story and so i felt like i'm getting back the like the meaning of life that i lost when i was a child um it made me also uh feel how important for us palestinians to talk about our feelings not only politics not only numbers not only um like as i said not only the numbers and not only the polit- the politics but also the feelings that we all human being share um it made me it made some people change what they think about palestine because many people in europe and the us they grew up hearing one-sided uh, story which is israel is a democratic state but palestinians are like they want to corrupt and they are terrorists many people they grow up hearing that So when they see my art and they see that I have a story and I have a goal and a dream that I want to achieve and I have this and that they start thinking more of it like this is not what I saw in the media and they start having more questions so I would say my art has helped people think and reflect Yeah well it because it's easier to empathize with someone when you have a name and face and you have a story do they are and exactly. it's harder to just think of them in abstract or in numbers exactly so people start connecting with you as a human being not as not only as a palestinian but they start they look at the painting they feel the painting and hence there is a connection starting to happen between me and the viewer and So so you and you've also traveled a lot doing art shows what would have been some of your favorite places to travel to Well I have a lot of places that I really like but uh the US was very special I loved going to I loved visiting the US and showing there um but I'd say that I loved Germany It it was a pretty intense experience to speak about Palestine there because of the anti-semitic thing and people are pretty uh afraid to hear about it but I I loved the experience I loved how many people came and interacted so every place I go to is very special I loved Switzerland it was very unique so yeah like every place is very special and people are like different from place to place but they you ask like people were friendly like more friendly yeah I, th- i saw you you mentioned that in an interview that this that the us was more like for an artist uh, the, the better place to promote your art and everything yeah like uh, people were nice i'd say <laughs> yeah so you you were influenced by picasso because and, and i saw you said that because part of it was because he he lived through war when he was living in France 
So you, you, you felt like you could relate to him in that way. Like, since I was pretty young, I used to always hear about Picasso. I studied about him in school. And I always felt like I can feel his artwork very well, like more than any other artist. So I grew up and the more I look at his art, the more I know about his story. I just feel like my art is getting more influenced by him. But I would say like the most influence was during the beginning of my artwork. Now I would say that I pretty much have my own style. But of course, with the slight influences by not only Picasso, but also other artists who are like Arab artists, um, Spanish, Mexican, different artists, because the more I paint and the more I go through my art, carry the more I feel curious to know about other stories, not only like uh, names. So who who is some of your favorite artists in uh, the Middle East then? I have a lot. I ha I love. Um, I was looking earlier today at uh, Safwan Dahoul. Uh, he's a Syrian artist. I love the artwork of uh, Sliman Mansour. He's a Palestinian artist. Nabil Anani, uh, Layla Shawa. She's Gazan. Um, really, like who else? My uncle. He's uh, he's an artist. He's a very established artist in Palestine. He's an abstract. Muhammad um, Imsalam. Yeah. So is that is that is a lot? Is that what's popular? Uh, like abstract art, or is there a way that art? What ways is art in the Middle East like unique compared to other places you've traveled to? Well, in the Middle East, I'd say that. Um, the more realistic the painting is, the more chance it will be admired by people. Because in the Middle East, like for the majority of people, how great your techniques are, how great you are as an artist and how professional you are. But when it comes to abstract art, as I understood from my uncle, there's only a small portion of people who can really um, interact with the abstract art. But I would say that expressionist artwork is really, is taking off. Like it's really well known. Um, for, for Palestine, I'd say the artwork that is, like that has the message of the Palestinian cause, the Palestinian story and the struggles is also like really well known. Yeah, and I, I guess that with the abstract or more expressionist painting, it, it can kind of, it's got kind of like an other worldly, I guess, feel to it. So maybe that can, like rather than it, it can, there's more you can do with it than a, like a traditional painting. Maybe there's ways that what you're feeling can come yeah. out with less limitations. Right, exactly. But like in, in where I lived in the Gaza Strip, there, people were always looking for an explanation of the painting or what is behind it. Like, I love your painting, but I don't understand them. And I often tell them, like, it's, you can just feel. You don't have to understand. Art is not mathematics. It's like, let it go and let it make you feel something in you and let it make you think. Um, so, and I, I would say that it's not only in the Middle East, but also in 
all places in the world, they always feel like they want to relate the painting with the story to make it more understandable. And why, why do you think people that are in desperate circumstances or in, or in depressing circumstances, or, uh, why, why are they driven to make art? Because I believe that when I, I was through depression and I was through a lot of difficult times mentally in my life, and I'd say that what made me depressed, one part of me being depressed is I felt that the world is too small and I felt it's like a prison and a cage. And the, I would say like in, in, in short, it's limitation. So when I became an artist, I felt like there's no limitations at all. I know that art has regulation, but for me as an artist, I felt that having a white canvas with me and having like paints and brushes, like what else can I ask for? It's like I have the complete freedom to paint whatever I want. And as someone who grew up in a very sieged place, I cannot travel, I cannot go anywhere. I felt like how important this freedom can be, especially as a woman. Um, it's pretty tough for me because um, I'm more like a different person than like a traditional girl. So I had a tough time. I felt like I'm not free for some extent. But for me, art like art has helped me a lot in like, like how can I say, in expressing myself. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like you have these feelings you're having and it's you can't always put it into words but art is a way to challenge exactly. that and i grew up as an introvert like i i always didn't feel like uh when i was younger i didn't feel like i can um elaborate and talk with people how i feel i didn't have this kind of thing when i was younger so i felt like until now i felt like artwork is the best person i can talk to because there like there's no judgment, there is no uh, other prejudice and stuff like that. I just feel like I paint whatever I want, however I like, however I want. So it's complete freedom. Yeah, and then through that, through painting and connecting with people through your art, that like you were saying, you were an introvert, and then it, it makes you th then you're able to connect more with people. Then you know, you're, you, you, you connect and you meet more people through that. So it kind of. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. One year ago, I used to write a lot of poems and I used to write a lot, but I no longer do. And I just felt like it, it's very hard to be a writer and an artist at the same time, because like when you become an artist, you become an artist because words are not really your thing. That, that's, of course, my opinion. So I felt like I translate whatever thoughts and feelings I have into a painting. So, and when I feel like people can feel my artwork, I just feel less lonely. I just feel like people can connect with me and people have the same feelings sometimes with my artwork. So I feel like this is how I connect with the world and this is my goal. Yeah, definitely. It, like, it, it reminds people that they're not the only one going through something and somebody else is feeling the same way. Exactly. So. Totally.
And you talked a bit about uh, the, the checkpoints. What, what has been your experience like when, when you were trying to, because I know it took a while before you were able to get out of Gaza and get into where you are now, Istanbul, Turkey. Yeah. What can you say about that experience? So in Palestine, as any country in the Middle East, it's uh, very, very difficult for religious reason, for social reason, for cultural reason, for a girl to travel at a young age. So I was only 17 years old, and as I said, I was very passionate about discovering the world and also meeting the people I know in person. Um, so I talked with my family that I need to travel when I finish my high school. And, and this thing was taken as a joke, like, are you kidding? You know, that's impossible. And almost everyone I, I met, and I told this, I told them that I'm, I'm planning to travel, they kind of like denied it. So they told me, if you go to the top in Palestine, we will let you travel. And we have this high school. It's a competition that's only in your city, but also in all Palestine, that we all go through the same exams. And the one who gets the highest will be called the top and the second top. So my family told me, if you get the first top in Palestine, you will we will let you travel. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I then, I found out that the number of students going with me is 40,000 students, which made it more complex. So I worked very hard. I got the second top in Palestine, which means that I had almost no mistakes in my exams. And hence it was the time for me to travel because I got a half a scholarship to study in Istanbul. And it was even more difficult, like, my family told me we didn't expect you to get this. So we are sorry, we, you will study here with us. Then I had to sacrifice a year of my life to convince them. And finally, they let me go to Istanbul, which, is, which I'm very thankful for that because other families wouldn't have allowed their daughters to. So after this, um, I registered my name. You have to go to an office where you can register your name as a traveler, as a passenger. And you wait, sometimes you wait for six months to get your name in the list. So after waiting and waiting, I traveled. Um, I was stuck in the Egyptian border for four days. It was a very humiliating conditions. Uh, hundreds of people were concentrated in a small room uh, where there's no place to sleep, the toilets were very, very bad conditions. And it was very, uh, the way we were treated by the Egyptian soldiers were very disgusting. So after this, we went to Cairo airport and I traveled to Istanbul airport through that. But it was a very, very like uh, exhausting um, trip to Istanbul. So, so you were saying that you face discrimination by the Egyptians too? Is what you're saying by the Egyptian well, I wouldn't hesitate to say that we were treated as insects. Like I was person, like because I traveled alone, I was harassed, uh, harassed a couple of times by mm. soldiers, and uh, the way they were calling names, the way they were, they were throwing passports on people. Um, so it was very disgusting. Like we were in a very small, uh, like hole, like small place. And he would say soldiers are smoking and throwing the smoke on, like, 
where the place is very concentrated. So it's like really humiliating. I don't wish to go through that again. Sorry you went through that. That sounds... Sorry you... Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and the, the first time I felt discrimination was... Um, like in, in the airport, there was one gate. And the, it's, it's like separated between tourists, like uh, non-Palestinians... Going into the airport, they are welcomed with a smile and they were treated also, like perfectly. And then there was another way that Palestinians get in, which I got in. And all the men that were traveling with me, they were put in a small room. Their mobiles were taken, their suitcases were taken, and they were there for, I guess, three days without being allowed to speak to their families. So because I was a girl, I was an exception. I was the only one exception that I was not in that room where Palestinians are really humiliated. Like they are forced to do things and they are taken. Their money is taken. Their mobiles are taken. So, yeah, I just this time I really felt what racism feels like. When all the white, like the white and different people, different nationalities go through smoothly and we have to be going through all of this process of insulting, of bad treatment, of bad looks. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that's why these protests uh, erupted worldwide and not just in the United States because it's exactly. something that happens around the world. And I I'm not sure what's a way we can get beyond that. Maybe maybe the younger generations are getting better. I mean, at least in the U S I'd, I'd like to think the younger generations are getting more open minded, yeah. but I think having conversations with people from that are from different backgrounds and, you know, the more yeah. we connect with each other helps too. And seeing rooting out like the systemic problems too, that need to be yeah. dealt with and changed. Exactly. And, and I'd say as a Brown person, uh, as a person of color, I'd say that I've gone through a lot, like I have, I've gone through a lot of things and uh, bad moments, a lot of injustice, but I would say that racism is the worst thing that can ever happen to a human being because the scar that it leaves in you will never fade. I was going through a shake points in, through like the Palestinian territories Kalandia uh, uh, checkpoint, which is between the West Bank and Jerusalem. And I'd say that from Gaza also to Jerusalem, it was very terrible how I was treated by the Israeli soldiers. I was like, my, I was putting, I had, um, sorry, I had a solo exhibition, a group exhibition in Jerusalem, and I had all my paintings, very old frame. All my suitcases were opened, everything was out. And they were throwing all my stuff, all the frames and with the glass and everything without really respecting. So I know what racism feels like from a lot of people, from Israelis, from uh, Europeans, so like from some Turks here. So wherever I go, it's like, it seems that I'll be treated with racism wherever I go. And that's why I felt compelled to paint George Floyd. I know it's more tough for them and what they go through is much more harder 
than the racism happening in the Middle East. But it's still like, it's, it's very painful. Yeah, so, sorry that uh, you have those experiences. I, you know, I, I wish, uh, yeah, I wish, I don't, I don't know how, that. unfortunately that seems to be, that's something that's been going on a long time. I don't know how yeah. it's going to change. It, it, Are people ever going to change? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping, as you said, with the younger generation, it's more open and it's more, um, like, more passionate to make a change. Yeah, so I, I really hope that the young generation will do something. Yeah, I think the I think the internet actually helps too, like, because now you can talk to people from whatever part of the world, and it helped you with getting your art out there to more people exactly. as well. Like, even with the Palestinian cause, I am not sure that. 30 years ago, uh, Palestine was talked about in, in the U.S. and in Europe and um, like all the demonstrations uh, for Palestinians and when Gaza was under through war. I'm not sure that back th 30 years ago, things like this happened. So people are getting more aware of what is going on and also not only in the U.S. but also in the Middle East, which is very promising, let's say. Yeah, and I, th I thought it was interesting that you said that you think it's the situation's worse in the United States because, uh, you know, like a lot, a lot of people think of like, oh, you know, the U United States is like a democracy, all that stuff. But 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 I guess yeah. it, it, I guess um, so, so 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 I guess it seems like the the racism here seems to be worse from your perspective. Or? Well, it's yes because of the history. Like, um, if I'm talking about the Palestinian cause, it's really like, I would say it's a contemporary cause because it's started like 75 years ago. But when it comes to the black um, history, like it, it's like when I went to the African-American uh, uh, museum in DC, I was very, very shocked. And like, like it, it was a very, very shocking to see how the black people were treated and so like i'd say yes it was worse and from what i hear from people and from how insecure they feel walking in the street beside the police and i also have black friends who told me about the experience so i felt it's it's it could it's could be much worse than the middle east yeah yeah and i guess it's similar to like how you felt at the checkpoint like being treated as a being treated as a threat or being exactly of, yeah. So that's in, in my last painting, the refugee painting. Um, I really had in mind because I grew up and I know like, I know what siege occupation, I know uh, what war means when I was not even eight years old. And I could relate to all black mothers who when they are pregnant, they think about how they will tell their kids about racism and how to def how to deal with it and how to um, ask for help in case this happens so it's like i'm asking myself why this should happen why kids in a very young age need to shape and to know the ugliness of the world at a very young age so i relate also with the black kids when i was young i sh if i lived in a brighter place i shouldn't have learned about this i shouldn't have gone through three wars that made me go into depression and a lot of horrible 
stuff. So it's, it's from the perspective that nobody should go through that, no matter where they come from, no matter what color of skin they are. So I, I know you've, you've, uh, you've, you've painted a lot of people that you, you knew in Gaza, and uh, what, what are some that have stuck with you the most out of all the paintings you've done? Well, I could say that the painting I did for a young paramedic, Razan Najjar, she was only 20 years old. Um, she was helping the injured people in uh, the siege between Israel and, and Gaza. And she was shot from the back. And she was like, she was a young girl. She was my age. So I could relate, like, I could be here if I knew how to help the injured. I would really be called the same way. So I painted her, and it, it was very emotional because painting made, makes you know the reality of the world because it makes you feel it. So I, I was really emotional. And till now, it's, I'm really thinking of what she had gone through and what the feeling was that you are helping and injured people, then you are getting killed yourself. So yeah, that was one of uh, the most difficult painting I did. And I, and I guess you're kind of immortalizing them too with the art. What is that? Is that, do you yeah. see it that way? Yeah. I love doing tributes for people and, uh, because this is my way of really, this is my way of expressing my feelings to, for them. You, you talked about a bit about the like how you developed your technique. Did you learn most of the skills? Like, like did you learn it in, in school, or how did how did you learn? Like, because I know you, you developed from there. Like, it started with the watercolor. Uh, um, so, like, how did you learn more like the technical uh, part of like art and like the all that? So I learned the basics of um, drawings when I was at school. Uh, we had an art class. and But I would say I got the most guidance from my uncle. Like I always used to go to his studio. He always used to, to tell me what to do and how to start. And so he gave, he gave me the things that he learned all his life. So he learned me the basic of how to master the shadow and light and how to choose the colors and the color uh, circle. So I'd say that it, it was really uh, my uncle. But most of the time when I loved the Gaza Strip, it was self-taught. I tried my best to always sketch, always learn. And yeah, so I, I learned without stopping. Okay, in what ways do you feel you've improved with your craft mm -hmm. and in what ways would you like to improve in the future? Well, I'd say I improved because I started using different mediums. Uh, I started painting on bigger sizes and like my early artwork was only like an individual portrait, but now I'm trying to paint more than figure more than one figure in, in my painting. Uh, I'd say I'm trying my best to not only improve my art, but to improve the way I think and I understand the world and to know more. So I'd say that the only thing that an artist can do to avoid repetition is to always learn. Because in a way or another, this will always change the artwork. So 
yeah, always learning, always reading, uh, always drawings, and yeah, improving yourself, how you communicate with people, improving. Like it's it's more like I I can't say I I improve myself as a human being, not only as an artist, because that yeah. will all and influence the artwork. Yeah, it's about the the journey more than getting getting exactly. to a certain destination with it, and that's 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 not only with art; that's like with any any kind of passion you're pursuing. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, and I love art. Um, is like you learn something from everything. So, like an artist has to be like really um, having, I'd say, a full image, or it, that's very broad. But I'd say that trying to learn something from everything like trying to know uh knowledge on science on um like in history in, in geography and in, in all different things yeah yeah like like uh having as dynamic of what as well ranged of knowledge as you can and exactly. then you can kind of incorporate everything exactly yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I do some writing and I like reading like all different genres, like all different kinds of uh, authors from like different cultures and everything. And then that kind of, it all kind of combines. And even if I don't intentionally use the influence, like if I write something, sometimes it gets in there a bit. So it, I think it's always good to kind of take things from Definitely. different influences. Exactly. And you've also painted Sufi dancers a lot. So is that, uh, do, you, do you believe in any of like the, the Sufi beliefs or Sufi traditions at all? Um, actually, no, but um, I'm a spiritual person. I always love uh, connecting with myself and connecting with God or with Allah and in, in, in how we say it in Arabic. So I always love the feeling of of like getting away from all materialistic things like money, clothes, furniture. I'm trying my best to be a person who is more meaningful and spiritual. And with Sufi, I like I love painting Sufi because it makes me get deeper in in the feelings of spirituality. But I don't truly adopt um, the beliefs of uh, Sufism, uh, I'd say. But yeah, like it's more spiritual. I guess the, the more mystical aspect of it, yeah. maybe. Yeah, because I, I know Rumi was a lot about how we all came from the same dust and like we're all like the same matter. He talked a lot about that, like oneness, like how we're all connected. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very beautiful. Like the philosophy of Sufism is very beautiful. Like speaking about healing, uh, speaking about the humanity, speaking about patience. So it, it's really beautiful, very beautiful philosophy. In it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I like uh, Hafiz, Hafiz and uh, Rumi. I've read like a lot of his poetry. I know also uh, Christianity has like a mystical side to it too. Or it had like Meister Eckhart, I know was more... Yeah, I, I believe in, in every religion there's always this part of spirituality. But I'd say part of me painting Sufi is because I'm in Istanbul now and it's part of the culture. Like 
uh, I went in, to an event of, uh, of like uh, dervishes and it was, it took me to another world. Like it really, it was magical. Like all the songs and all the, like they're reciting uh, verses from Quran and their movements and, and, uh, how they all complete each other and how they complement each other. So this time I really felt like really taken by the beauty of it. So I decided to paint and I'm planning on painting a Sufi in, in like in a ahead of time. Yeah, and I guess painting for you can sometimes be a spiritual experience, I'm guessing. Exactly, exactly. So any advice for other aspiring artists? Um... <laughs> That's a good question. Let me think. <laughs> well, my advice because I have always been on in, in activism, like advocating for not only Palestinians, Palestinian lives, but all, also for the lives of other people. I'd say that activism is very important. Like life becomes very meaningful when it's not only about us, but also about it's not only about me as an individual, but also about others. So I'd say that just think of others, talk with others. Don't be a closed-minded, only speaking with people who look like you. Speak with other people from different cultures because the world is very, very, very big. It's not only concentrated on your culture, on your mind, on your way of thinking, but there's a lot of wonderful things to discover. And I got to believe this when I traveled. I went to a lot of countries and I saw a lot of different um, traditions and it made me all, it, it really made me amazed of the beauty. So I'd say to artists be more open, uh, always paint, painting, like always do painting. And don't paint something that only that people will like because in, in this way, when you only do artwork that people will like, you will lose part of your authenticity. You will lose part of your creativity and you will keep repeating yourself. But if you are painting for yourself and to paint because you want to discover new, uh, new you, like new techniques and new thoughts in you, you need to be more open to trying different things and, always be broad and so I'd say keep painting for you because you have to and not repeat yourself and do things that satisfy people. Yeah. 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 And I, th I think uh, a lot of the art, probably a lot of artists in the United States fall into the, maybe the more the me, me, me kind of thing exactly. with the art. Cause it's a very, um, it's a very like ego driven society in a lot of ways so i think getting out of that and also looking putting yourself in other shoes as an artist or, or just exactly. in life in general is a good thing exactly definitely so any final thoughts you'd like to say about your art and maybe would you like to see for the future with uh, palestine and everything going on um I'm trying to think, but I always uh, think and speak when I, when there's questions asked. Yeah, but um, I really, 
I'd say, yeah, like, I don't know if, if this is, if this has to be in a book, um, the broadcast, but I'd say that because I have a small business myself, which is selling uh, limited edition prints, but I would really love to tell people to support the black businesses, like the black small businesses and to promote their artwork and to always purchase and support because this is part of really standing with them. So I'd say that like for, for people to support small businesses in this time instead of big brands. And yeah, that's the last thought. Hey, well, thank you for coming on and talking with me on uh, BSing with Sean K. It's great to hear your story and all that. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure. You have been listening to BSing with Sean K on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was me interviewing Malik Matar, who is an incredible artist, painter. She does abstract and expressionist art, and she's from the Gaza Strip. And she now lives in Istanbul, Turkey. And I really enjoy talking with her. She has a great story. You know, she's against all odds. She she went out there to pursue her dreams. And I liked what she said about making art for yourself but at the, and staying true to your art. But at the same time, being a part of the world and taking in influences from different cultures, different artists from around the world and understanding people from different backgrounds and you and kind of taking all that into the art you make. And that really, like I said to her in, in the interview, that, that that's what I do a lot with my writing and also with my podcast, all the different people I've interviewed from various backgrounds and walks of life have every interview I've done has enhanced my life in one way or another. And I feel like, well, I've, learn more about them I've also learned more about myself and another thing she said that I relate to is how as an introvert art was a way for her to express herself and for me that's always been with music acting that was a way to speak to other people and connect to other people because I was naturally an introvert and my podcast has helped me enhance my social skills and enhance the way I relate to people and connect with people all over the world and I've definitely developed I've definitely felt more connected as this show has been going on I definitely check out Malak Matar on Instagram she posts a lot of her art there and look up her she has an Etsy store I think it's called where she sells prints of her art I definitely plan to, well, if I have, once I get, like, a bigger room to, like, hang more stuff, I, I plan to order some of her art. I'm moving on up. I'm moving up to the the room upstairs here that's a little bit bigger. So I'm moving on up, literally. It's like a floor up. Before we wrap up, I do have some important announcements to make regarding Radio Free Brooklyn. If you would like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android. It's available in the App Store and for iPhone. 
and or at the Google Play Store for the Android. Now I'm going to talk about our RF, the Radio Free Brooklyn newsletter. Please sh- be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming Radio Free Brooklyn events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. The COVID-19 fundraising. Friends, COVID-19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now. And Radio Free Brooklyn is no exception. We want you to know that we have made every effort to ensure the health and well-being of our hosts, staff, and community at large. We've closed both our studios and canceled live events, but our hosts are still doing their best to continue bringing new original programming by broadcasting live and pre-recording from their home studios or by selecting the best rebroadcasts of the past shows. With most of our revenue streams evaporated, we need your help. We realize you may be hurting too, but if you can afford a small donation, it would go a long way toward helping us stay on the air. There are three ways you can help. First, you can give one-time monthly donation to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. There, you'll find some great t-shirts, mugs, and other swag that we'd like to send you to say thanks. You can also use your phone to text RFBGIVE5, that's the number 5, to 44321. It only takes a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital wallet for your donation. Finally, if you shop on Amazon, you go to Amazon.com slash smile and register Radio Free Brooklyn as the nonprofit you wish to support. When you do, a percentage of your sales will go to RFB and it will cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and wish all our listeners health and happiness as we weather this storm together. That about does it for today's episode of BSing with Sean K. Thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Your support keeps this station going. And if you want to keep updated with future episodes of BSing with Sean K., you can subscribe to me on Spotify or iTunes. I'm also on RadioFreeBrooklyn.com and Shawnice.com. And I air every Monday, 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. I will catch you on the next episode.